Howdy, everyone. We're back. And I think as long as I don't click the end broadcast button, we will do the show. <laughs> We're flying without a net. Rye is at a conference in Iowa with the Community Broadband Action Network. Uh, but we're here before I take my real vacation tomorrow. So we squeezed in a show. I'm excited to be back. Uh, I've got Travis Carter from USI Fiber. Welcome. Well, you didn't say connect this. You're right. You did not. You did not. I didn't. Start um, over. Okay, start over. Yeah, we do. Um, connect this. <laughs> and we're doing a show. And there's no rye. But we do have Travis. Welcome. Hey. Thank you, Mr. Mitchell. I am back at home. And I thought you said it was nice here. It's snow and rainy and dreary in Minnesota on April 4th. Should have been here last week. Yeah. <laughs> not good. But uh, my Starlink LTE Wi-Fi 90-day test is complete. And I have good results. So. Excellent. It's wonderful to have you back in Minnesota. I'm sorry I'm leaving the day after you get back, but we'll oh, get together soon. Wings, I thought were tomorrow. Nope, not tomorrow. You're Unless now. you're coming to Atlanta. <laughs> cool. Doug, welcome. I am just so glad to see Travis not in a trailer. This is awesome. <laughs> so yes. So welcome, welcome back to the house. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Doug Dawson runs the Pots and Pans by <laughs> CCG blog. Runs uh, CCG Consulting. And um, is uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Are you starting to double up on your shirts yet, Doug, or is it still a fresh one for every show? Oh, I could wear. I have far more shirts than you've had episodes. I think I have 200 dead shirts. Yeah. So. <laughs> Excellent. <clears throat> and we have Kim McKinley from yet a new location as she ticks off that uh, Google Maps challenge of being in every state for a different show. Welcome back, Ooh. Kim from Utopia Fiber. Thank you, thank you. Coming to you from Hawaii. But let's talk about some broadband today, the sexiest topic on the planet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got some fun topics. Um, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about several different things. But Longmont is doing private LTE, and I've long been waiting for this. I want to get Dennis Pappas on the show to talk about that more in depth. We'll talk a little bit about what they're doing there. I want to talk about uh, Baltimore a little bit and what they're doing and some of the political issues. Um I got a few things I'm kind of annoyed about. We'll talk about um, uh, one of them has to do with the FCC. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Minnesota Republicans saying the market will fix, bro fix broadband and government shouldn't be putting any money into it. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about XGS Pond for those who are super enthusiastic uh, about that. Um, wow, looking... that doesn't put that doesn't put anybody to sleep besides XGS Pond. <laughs> Doug had an interesting post about it, and I thought it would make Travis happy to talk briefly about it. Uh, people that want us to talk about other things can throw it in the chat. We don't have a Rye here to to put an opening comment in, so anyone else that wants to throw in a comment to get her going is welcome. Um, and then uh, Syracuse is uh, building out free wireless internet to 10 census tracts. So those are the topics that we've queued up a little bit, uh, but we'll meander around and see where the conversation goes. Um, first, I just want to ask Kim about last week. We did the Connected America show. I was literally on stage when I got the notification on my watch. This is uh, March 31st at about uh, 1 p.m. Uh, Comcast said, you hit 100% of your cap, buddy. <laughs> so I was hours away from coming in under the wire, and I'm paying an extra 10 bucks this month because I live in an area that does not have good internet competition. <laughs> um, it's one of the great what? timing there. But, Kim, uh, what any takeaways you had from that show in Dallas? From Connect America, I think it was an interesting show. I think it was a lot of new people and interesting takes. I think uh, one of the hot 
button topics that I didn't get to see was uh, I think two big incumbents on stage uh, kind of attacking each other. And I thought that was very, very interesting that they were going after each other. But if you listen to the um, big incumbents, they're taking, uh, they're covering all of America. None of us need to really work and worry about this anymore. They're, they've right. got this problem solved. I miss that too. Um, as I understand it, the AT&T person were letting their horns sort of show out, show a little bit. Um, I think I don't know if it was two people attacking each other so much as my understanding was the person from AT&T was a jackass and was just going after the Comcast guy, neither of whom probably know very much about the technology, but arguing about cable versus fiber, uh, much to the audience's amusement and then cringe. Apparently, uh, people were literally cringing by the end. So uh, I'm sorry that I missed that. I'm sorry. Was, that. Yeah. Could we see a recording of it? It'd be awesome. I think I think they did record it. I don't know where it will be, but I think it is very interesting. I think what you're seeing from the big incumbents is their talking points are on point. They're staying in talking points. They're staying in what the uh, corporate uh, heads are telling them to talk about. And that is very, very interesting. And I mm -hmm. think we need to have real conversations across this country and not just talking points. Um, after, after Elon Musk took over Twitter, I took, uh, Twitter off my phone just after seeing some of the stuff he was doing that I thought was really, um, ugly and distasteful and I didn't want to be as much a part of it. Um, although I still, I loved, I cherish the community that's on Twitter that, um, that, you know, we interact with and things like that. So it's been really, um, I've been having complicated feelings as I, as I watch this platform that has so much potential, I think being taken down. Um, but, uh, I put it back on my phone about five seconds after I started listening to the FCC spokesperson. Uh, I just couldn't take it. Uh, her name is Paloma Perez. She's the press secretary of the FCC. And she just gave a speech that I was just amazed by. I mean, it was, I don't think she could have patted herself on the back any harder. The FCC has solved all the problems. It's amazing what they, they are. They are taking bows weekly. Did you that, yes. did you see Bob Knight's uh, LinkedIn post about that, where he's like, "I'm watching the back of Katie Espis's head, and that's the most interesting thing about this FCC speech <laughs> right now." Yeah, no, and actually, I've actually posted the mission accomplished banner with uh, President Bush in front of it right after that because uh, I just. I literally was having flashbacks. I wanted, I want to grab the video of that and do a John Stewart 2004 ish takedown of it and just talk about how absurd it is. I have not seen that level of Baghdad Bob in a long time. It was painful to watch. It was really painful. It was really painful to see. And then they, I think the FCC and some of the anti. NTIA think that we're all going to use the bead money and that it's so easy and that we're all like lovey-dovey. That is ne definitely not the case. And uh, I thought it was very interesting. And I was really worried about her because it looked like she was sweating on stage. I wanted to go up and give her some pat on the, on the face, uh, but yeah. it was a little bit hot. <laughs> I mean, I'll just I'll say that, like, I, 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 I'm thinking about writing a post, which is sort of like what I would like to see um, a person like a chair of the FCC or a press secretary um, say. And I and I think a lot of it has to do with just recognizing that we're in a really tough position because the FCC has historically not done its job and saying this is what we're going to do to correct it. We take our job seriously rather than saying everything is great here. Yeah. I think I think it goes into that we need more candor, and the, and I don't even know if the FCC even understands what they're doing and what is going wrong. I don't I don't know. They're drinking their own Kool Aid a bit, so I don't know. Do they really know, or are they just sitting up there saying what they need to say? 
to keep the yeah. safe face. I don't know, but well, um, my blog, my blog tomorrow is already written about uh, regulatory capture, so you'll enjoy it, I believe. So. Okay. <laughs> well, we also have um, Reggie Sohn is going to be speaking at Broadband <coughs> Communities. That is one that I strongly encourage people to tune into. If there's going to be a live I, stream of it, I don't know. I'm one. I'm the one who's interviewing. Um, uh, Bob and I mm. are interviewing uh, Gigi on stage at uh, for their keynote, uh, and that will be very, very interesting. I think that she has a lot to say, and I think in she she has a voice, but I think her voice is probably more powerful now um, out of the FCC than it was going to be inside the FCC. So I'm, I'm really uh, thrilled to be uh, able to interview her on the stage for that. Yeah. Um, so that that was like just this moment of uh, I, I got my rant out there, Travis, if you want to if you want to look it up a bit. But it was uh, um, I still I'm, I'm still just. I, you know, part of it is that I feel like the FCC is so proud of the fact that this map can be corrected. And I just want to go back, especially Doug, because you've been thinking about this for a long time. And I feel like when we wanted to correct the map, it was when we assumed that there was a number of errors that were correctable. And then they gave us a map that has an uncorrectable number of errors. It is, they basically went to the providers and said, lie to me. And then we'll just have the public waste all of their time trying to fix your lies. And the public is not going to spend much time doing that. The states are do trying to do the challenges they're going to give up, and that's the end of it. The fact is you can, they can still report marketing speeds. They can raise their right hand and go, I'm not changing that speed. That's my marketing speed, and, and we're done. And so it, the maps do not, by the own FCC's rules, they don't have to be honest. So it's, they're never going to be good, even though, even though we were told at the end of the year they're going to be perfect. perfect. I just realized that. Not I'm good. Perfect. I just realized I'm 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 in charge of uh, moving the thing around. I'm just going to keep highlighting myself. Apparently, yeah, that's, well, that's <laughs> how okay. quickly I forget. Rise not here. <laughs> um, and the last thing that I would say on that is that while I was down there, um, I learned about an area in Maine which is incorrectly um, is considered served. There's a group of homes, you know, I think it's like 10 or 12 homes. Uh, one of them went through and did the challenge. And so there's one BSL out of the 10 homes that have no service. One of them is now listed. But of course, no one's going to be able to get the money on one BSL uh, to be able to build out to there now. And so every, it's just... And that, it is possible to still correct the map as they're going along. It's they're developing a more complicated process for that, but it's just ugly. And um, and I just I don't understand how people can sit up there and smile and pretend it's really great. Because what are they I supposed think... to do? Stand up there and go, boy, we really screwed up. Uh, by the way, this is 15 years in a row of doing the same. <laughs> I mean, just to be clear here, right? This is largely Democrats, and they are the ones who demanded that Bush admit one error, and he couldn't do it. And now we have an FCC that mirrors that and cannot admit that they got one thing wrong, and it's embarrassing. Well, if I, let's go back to uh, CAF too, if you want to talk about errors. <laughs> yeah, that's where I would start. Actually, that's what I was going to say. Is like I was going to be like, you know what? Oops, we spent Oops. billions of dollars and we didn't get anyone better connected. Oops. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, rather this, than being like, that oh, was the right project at the right time and we're damn proud of it. This is why we need Travis in DC just to see how he handles oh, it. No, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> Him uh, on the FTC, uh, I thought. I thought we already agreed to that. I'm pretty sure that I can get a, uh, a tie dye uh, Elect Travis t shirt, man. Oh, yeah. Yes, I'm all in. I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> I got invited to the Minnesota Broadband Committee thing one time, never invited back because I'm like, they were talking about broadband speeds being like 10, 10 at the time. Remember that, Chris? I think you were there too. And I go, why can't we just do gigabit? There's the door. I was out. <laughs> never to return. 
So let's move on to, uh, I thought a fun one to jump into would be Longmont and private LTE. Longmont is a municipal electric utility in Colorado. It is crushing it. They have, I want to say they're approaching 70% take rate. Uh, they are, have been rated the fastest ISP in the United States multiple times um, and are often second or third when they're not first. Um, they've just done a, a really wonderful job. It's a city of between 80 and 100,000 people. Um, and uh, there's a couple of articles that just popped out that they are doing private LTE. And um, I could talk more about it, but I, thought, I don't know if anyone else wants to share anything that they took away from some of the articles about it. I was a little confused about it because they don't have the frequencies that people can normally get on their cell phone. So I was a little confused about how folks are going to receive it. So I would love to get the guy on here and talk to him. But um, because what they're doing sounds a little bit more like what you're talking about Syracuse doing, but or what Buffalo's doing. Buffalo used spectrum that they got years ago free for schools, and they're they're beaming out broadband to like twenty thousand low income students. Um, and so, but so I'm a little unclear on the technology, but what they're saying they want to do is awesome. They want to have the secondary network that is everywhere, which means school kids can go by their neighbor's house who's watching them after school and still do their homework. And, you know, you don't have to be worried about getting your neighbor's passwords. You go to the park and work, you know, so, you know, and then that, that will absolutely enable all the smart technologies now because anything the city wants to put out there could use the same network. If you want to have a smart trash can that says I'm full now, come empty me, they can do that or whatever. Name, name the, you know, the dozen smart city applications. So it's a great idea. Um, they say they're kind of early at it, so I don't think they've deployed a lot yet, but I, I'm dying to hear about how it works. What about you, Travis? Did you hear about it? Well, so the, I only read the article. I didn't, and my sense is that they're using it for um, surveillance camera, license plate. You know, they're using it for municipal fixed uh, components. Um, I was confused, and I tried to see how much actual fiber they have deployed in the city. Oh, they have fiber everywhere. Yep. They have fiber to the home. Yeah. So I got, I was, I was a little, so first off they're using CBRS. So you've got to have CBRS enabled devices. I don't know if they, if they're using the general license or if they have a PAL, if they have I a PAL. Using, I think they're using the general. They are using the general. So I'm a little confused about what they're using it for. If they already have fiber everywhere, unless they're just trying to like get across the block or they're trying to, you know, backfill in, um, you know, where it might be expensive to deliver fiber to. I mean, it's it's similar to like no, nah, no. Everyone has fiber. They're doing it as an add-on bonus. I mean, they're adding. They're yeah, doing it to make the city more efficient and. Um, yeah, I mean, as an example, yeah. I mean, they're they're doing some things that are low bandwidth. Like they want to do water meters, obviously. Yeah. Like that doesn't okay. require a lot. Yeah. But they have solar-powered security mm -hmm. cameras, and so that's one thing where they don't want to drag a fiber to the, the location in the park Every. where they're putting it. Um, and then the school kids, I think it's mostly like school devices that will be outfitted. And this is a, the, probably the kids in the low income homes that aren't going home to a fiber powered home that are going to be connected with that. So I think they're targeting specific neighborhoods that have a higher number of those folks in them. But I think they're going to need a special dongle is what I'm thinking. So, oh, yeah. 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 So. That's my favorite word of all times is dongle, by the way. It, I just love that it's word. Way up on my list, yeah. It's, well, yeah, I mean, it's a great word. Things <laughs> incorporate the CBRS, but I think they're going to be very unhappy with the um, video over LTE, the uploads just two weeks, especially if they're using a, a general license. But I'd be interested to hear what their experience is. Um, it just it didn't work well for us. But for smart city things of meters and all, it's fine. It's Low great. bandwidth, it's fine. Anything else. If you've got a fiber connection there, 
I mean, quite frankly, I would rather use I'd rather use something in the five or the six gigahertz spectrum where there was more capacity than like 10 megahertz they're going to get out of the general license. But is there a reason that they couldn't do that? I mean, we know that they're using buy cells. Is there a reason that they couldn't be? Um, I've just, I mean, we just heard from someone saying that they're pretty excited or I heard from someone they're talking about um, doing fixed wireless at a, at the digital C in, um, in Cleveland. And they're in the lab. They're working in the six gigahertz space, and they're super excited about it. But I don't know who their vendor is there. I would, I if if I was them, because we tried this and it did not work well. It's and and it's far more complicated than it needs to be. The CBRS stuff. I I would work right now in the five gigahertz band fiber backhaul, and then as soon as the six gigahertz available, I'd move into that. First off, you're going to get symmetrical connectivity. You're going to have a lot more bandwidth. I have, but maybe their experience is different. I would be surprised if it is, though. But I think you have to give kudos for them doing this because this is what CBRS is really intended for. It's not intended right. for to be a bandwidth and a in-home solution where other cities are going this path. I think that, first of all, this is why municipal networks exist. Um, so they can add do these add-ons, the cherry on the top, if you will. Um, solutions for cities. So I, I, I commend what Longmont is trying mm-hmm. to do. And I think it's a huge benefit. And I, I mean, who knows how it will go? I agree with Travis. We don't know where it will go long term, but at least they're trying and at least they're putting it out there um, and seeing what it can do for their community. Yeah, I'm curious. Does any, Travis in particular, do you have any reaction to them using buy cells? That, that's what a, a part of the, I think the light reading article that I was interested in. I, you don't often see that. They had said they wanted to do this. And uh, my impression was when they talked to other vendors, it was too expensive. And buy cells <laughs> came in at the price point they were looking for. Yeah, because any of the LTE technologies will be substantially more expensive than than the other stuff. I, I Again, I, I tried it with this type of stuff. The, the CBRS is a good idea. The problem is, is you just don't get enough spectrum assigned to you. To really make, I mean, sure, meter readers and things like that that are easy. But if you think you're going to do 20, 30 surveillance cameras in an area and all of this, it, they're just it's just not going to Well, work. that's where I think it's different because they're probably doing, um, you know, if they're doing 20 or 30 surveillance cameras, probably three quarters of them are backhauled by fiber. And they're just putting the additional one or two that are perhaps mobile or whatever on the CBRS, I'm guessing. Maybe, yeah. I mean, mobile, but they're not going to have... Uh, the upload's just challenged. I'll just leave it mm-hmm. at that. I just, okay. I'm not sure they're, they might say they're happy, but I bet the propeller heads in the back are just really struggling with it. Where now, the other issue is, remember, the cellular carriers can use the spectrum for backhaul and cellular calls, and they, they rob the hell out of it. Yeah. So, so during busy mm-hmm. times of the day, there is no spectrum available. I mean, cell mm-hmm. phones are using it all. So mm-hmm. it gets really messy spectrum, so. Yeah, I, I would. In cities, I, I mean, it, it's okay in rural areas, but in cities, boy, oh boy, it's busy. So, I think I, I honestly think they, they would probably be happier with the net result in something in five or six gigahertz. But we'll we'll wait and see what they say. Well, they might yeah. do them all before they're done. So yeah. who knows, right? And and I think that's the sort of thing they'll have already learned some lessons as mm-hmm. they go into that. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, all right, so. In the um, in the story queue, I want to talk a little bit about Baltimore. There's a story that came out a while ago. It took me a while to read it. Um, I'm putting this one in the chat early this time. Um, and it's from the Baltimore Banner, and it's about um, what the city's doing. And there's a couple of questions I wanted to raise here. Uh, the first one is, 
Um, I, I, I talked with this, this author a few times as he was working on the story. I didn't get quoted at all. But um, as we were talking about it, I had a, a personal issue in terms of just um, trying to figure out how to talk about this because I was both trying to describe that I feel like Baltimore is taking too long to actually do something that will um, uh, help people that need it. But at the same time, Baltimore has done far more than most U.S. cities. And so it's this weird situation in which I am like feel like I'm giving them a backhanded compliment to be like, yeah, you're doing more than others, but you still got to like, it doesn't seem like you're prioritizing it at all. What is taking so long? Well, first off, I want to commend you on uh, putting these articles up early so that everyone's reading them instead of listening to us. <laughs> Facts. Kudos, kudos. Kudos. Yes. Um, you know, I, I'm sure you've been to Baltimore. Cities are so complicated. I mean, the geography is complicated. The buildings are complicated. It's not a big old flat city. It's got... <clears> throat> throat> Doug, Doug, you forgot one. Politics are complicated. Well, yes. Politics yeah. are complicated. <laughs> it, it's just going to be so hard for any large city the size of Baltimore to ever do anything comprehensive. You know, we saw it. We've talked about New York a few sh shows ago where they did one thing and the next mayor completely gutted and started over. It's just, I mean, how cities make any progress is beyond me. So, yeah. This goes back to the thing. It's about like, I mean, we're not even talking about fiber to the home. We're talking about this is an NFL city and what will happen in an NFL city. Does anything happen in an NFL city? A lot of politics in Baltimore is one of the worst of some of the politics that go on in that city. So oh. I commend for what they're trying to do. Yeah. I just don't know if they'll get across the finish line. Well, I mean, they, that's a Comcast city where they're not going to easily let anything happen, right? So, well, yeah. it, it is a Comcast city, but it's also a Verizon city, which right. and it's a Verizon city that Verizon has not invested in. And so the result <coughs> is that like Comcast really is the only game in town. Um, right. So uh, that has made it harder on Comcast because, you know, they have, I think they have like a hundred thousand kids in the schools there and they had like 50,000 kids that had no internet access during the pandemic. I think, uh, despite the fact that we've had more than a decade of the, um, internet essentials program. And for me, that's, it's not an indictment that Comcast sucks at this. It's that we keep asking the wrong companies to solve this problem. And so, um, I just feel like at, how many decades will it take before internet essentials will actually solve the problem that that's going to be our solution. Well, and if that's the solution, who's going to go out and actually sign up those 50,000 kids? Because Comcast is not going to go do that. Somebody else has to. That's not a bad solution. The Internet Essentials is not bad. So it's decent bandwidth for pretty much free. Uh, but but no one's knocking on doors going, let's come install this for you. And by the way, where's your computer? So, I mean, that, that's the problem. So yeah. It's a PR stunt, guys. It's a PR stunt, right? They, do they I really mean, care? Well, they, 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 supposedly, they supposedly have 2 million customers on a nationwide, but they don't push it. No, no. And I, we I think, don't know if the 2 million is true. That's no, I think, I think the language they often use, they've connected <laughs> 2 million households over the history <laughs> of the program. And, I mean, the program yeah. is way better now than it used to be. I mean, like, yes. it used to be you could attach <laughs> one computer to it, and they gave right. you a dumbed-down router that would make sure you couldn't do multiple computers or devices. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, to Kim's answer, I I, Comcast has gone out of its way to hire people that care about this program and tried to resource them in ways that we've seen no other national carrier. And so I don't think it's a PR stunt. With AT&T, it's a PR stunt. With Comcast, they put in, I think, the maximum amount that you can expect from a publicly traded company to do, and we can see the results, right? It, it makes a difference on the margin for a few families, but it's not going to solve it for most people. 
That's fair. But I think I, my perspective is that we have to stop talking about the, the price point and the low bait bandwidth that they're giving on the internet essentials. And we need to start giving them robust connectivity to really change the conversation. And yes, I get that they're doing a lot, but I just don't think it's good enough for the amount of money that they're bringing in every day. No, I wanna, aren't they up to 100 megabits now for that? Yeah, it's I believe not, so. It's not horrible. It's you know, it's not gigabit, but it's not bad. So, Right. Thanks. Don't argue with me, Doug. We're, I thought we were on the same team today. Well, I mean, last year it was 25 megabits and it was <laughs> I mean, Kim, Kim yeah. made the point earlier about politics, and and that's one of the things I wanted to highlight because I was I was reading this, you know, I'm reading it and I'm 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 looking for my name and, uh, and my name's not showing up, and I'm like, what's going on here? Because I'm I'm Chris Mitchell, and I'm supposed to be in these things. Hey, you've oh, got oh, your oh, name. Guys, you've got your name here, so no one forgets it. We, but we forgot this at the um, conference we were just at. And we just realized that it's the Chris Mitchell. It's not just Chris Mitchell. It's I'm the Chris. Mitchell. I'm a Chris Mitchell. That's what I'll, I'll own up to. <laughs> <laughs> and um, anyway, so I'm going and I read this. Alec Ross, a former telecom and broadband official, oh, for President Barack oh, look Obama. Look at one. Look at one. Good point. Well, and if you want to talk about that issue of upselling, that's all Verizon trying. No, to so okay. Like I, I really appreciate Juan saying this, but like yes. this is one of the things that like, and this is gets into a slightly different discussion, um, but is relevant, and I think that is one of. When you're working for such a massive company, there's a question as to what a motivation is. Because I talk to people who work for Verizon, and they swear to me that Fios paid for itself almost immediately through massive operational savings. And I talk to another person from Fi- from who from Verizon, and they're like, Fios will never ever pay for itself. It was a total boondoggle and terrible investment. So, so Juan, I have no doubt that that was your experience, but I think it's hard to figure out what's motivating a corporation. Because it depends on who in the corporation's talking. Yes, exactly. So, so I mean, there's, I no, just, way, there's no way FiOS hasn't been profitable. No way in the world. So. <laughs> You're saying FiOS is definitely profitable. Absolutely clear. profitable. Because yeah. they they never built anywhere where it was expensive. They only built low cost. I want to hear Travis. What's your analysis of why FiOS is expensive or is uh, is, is um, successful? Is, is paid for itself? Well, just the the opex is so low on fiber networks. You know, yeah. the, all right. So, can I ask some basic questions here on this? Book? <laughs> I don't know a lot about it. Yeah. How long have they been talking about this? You said two years. Baltimore. Uh, yeah, like I would say two years is credible. How much money have they spent so far? Uh, I don't know how much they've actually spent. They've earmarked like on the order of thirty million dollars to be spent. And they fired the guy who was developing the plan to spend it. Um, and that's kind of what this article is talking about. Okay. And how many? One people? of the, and I want to get into why they fired him in a second, or some of the politics around that. But what are your other questions, Travis? Would we agree or disagree as a group that the success criteria in any of these networks should be how many people are hooked up and using it? Or- I think so. Although their first step, which I think is smart, their first focus is on connecting like um, community centers and anchor institutions to build a municipal fiber loop that could then also connect public housing in those neighborhoods. And so um, I think that is one of the criteria that is very important, Travis, as to how many people are signed up. But another one, uh, you could have an intermediate one along the way. But hasn't this loop concept failed numerous times? You know, where they spend, uh, they spend all the money on this backbone and they they run out of money to, to do the distribution. That it's, has wor- it's worked in a few places and other yeah. places it actually was what prompted them. In, in, in Urbana and Champaign, Illinois, that loop turned into everybody building fiber. 
So it, it can work. But yeah, I mean, and usually it doesn't do a lot. Yeah. I, I, I always figure you build a little loop and then hook everyone up and then build a little more and then hook up more. But, you know, I always hear this, uh, well, we got to hook up all these anchor institutions and then nobody gets hooked up. Yeah. Well, I think there's real danger um, there. And uh, Ruben notes it failed hard in Maine with the three ring binder. I think the question is one of expectations. This is something that we've talked about before. Um, you know, if your expectation like it was in Lafayette, Louisiana, is that we're going to build a loop and then someone's going to lease it and go out and, and spend all the money to hook up all the homes. That generally does not work. Um, yeah. On the other hand, in Lafayette, they turned around then and they were like, we have a loop now. No one's using it. We're going to use it to hook up the customers. So that turned out to be a pretty big success, although now there's a really awful politics going on down there that may or may not destroy that system. No, I think that that's a fair point, Chris, is because what is the intention of when they build the loop and what are they using it for? A lot of these people build the loop and just assume private entities are going to come in and solve the problem. And that's not the case. They do that because someone has told them that will happen, right? I mean, this was the whole BTOP program where the big companies lobbied and said, don't do any homes. That's too expensive. It's not going to work. This and that. You just got to build all these big loops in the middle of nowhere. And then the federal government listened to them put billions of dollars into it. And those same companies went to Congress and said, look at this wasted money. No one signed up. You, you didn't connect any homes. Mm -hmm. You didn't connect any businesses. What a failure. Why would you build these loops that we told you to build? So, I mean, like there's a lot of, a lot of nasty politics in the middle of this too, to set up for failure, I think. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, those big companies were buying transport on those loops to nowhere, by the way. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it yeah. sounds like genius to me. Uh, distract everyone building the loop because the actual paying customers, they don't hook them up. That makes sense. Well, I think that's the problem. What does success really look like? And what is how is success measured? I think that's why you're not seeing a lot of money being allocated in the bead for middle mile because success equals homes connected, not necessarily the routes to get to those homes. And that I think that is a, a conversation that needs to be changed. Well, and this raises the bigger long-term question, what comes after bead? Because cities are still gonna have all these problems. Are we gonna yeah. do another $40 billion for cities? Politics say no. So. Well, I think that will depend on the ACP fallout when people see the price tag of a multi-year renewal of bead particularly if these new sign-up programs i said bead but i'm an acp um uh if the acp continues to grow at the rate it's at um the, the amount of cost that will be there is quite significant i'm gonna mute doug oh, you okay doug yeah i'm just heading my wife off from coming up and yelling bad things about you since you're not showing up so. <laughs> <laughs> um so anyway the acp price tag which i think we should pay one time for a multi-year renewal and we should have a strategy for not having to do that again um uh spoiler alert that's not going to happen chris will not be listened to <laughs> um the uh is a way to go but i think uh it will be curious um after we spend another 30 or 40 billion dollars on acp what the enthusiasm will be to spend money on a solution that will actually connect uh low-income families in more urban areas so I want to get back to this. So, so Alec Ross, a former telecom and broadband official for President Barack Obama, um, has followed Baltimore's digital equity commitments closely, attended da, 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 da. Um, Baltimore is betting on a costly infrastructure pipe dream that the city will never, ever be able to afford, much less maintain, Ross said. So the first thing I do is I look up this guy and I'm like, I never heard of this guy. And yeah. 
I can't can't find him. Uh, his name's too common, and he's a he's a nobody. Um, I guess he's some kind of like motivational speaker, is what I heard, uh, but has no concept of what he's talking about, from what I can tell. And apparently, he was convinced it was going to take like seven hundred people to maintain a network in Baltimore. Uh, Travis, do you have a thousand people working for you there in Minneapolis? No, actually, and this was kind of part of the argument in our last episode about the wireless versus fiber. The op the operational side of it, you don't you don't need a lot of folks. Yeah. So unfortunately, um, you're not a trusted confidant of the mayor of Baltimore <laughs> or other mayors. And so what happens is you have people that develop what I would say are reasonable plans to connect places. Um, executing them is very difficult in the bureaucracy, but many people don't even get that far because someone comes along and convinces the mayor that fiber is obsolete and wireless is the thing and you're foolish to dump money into it. And then the mayor starts having doubts and says, why don't I put money into a park? Nobody's going to going to fight me on that. Uh, and, and that's the dynamic that develops from what I can tell. 700 people. Can I look at the org chart of what those 700 I would love to see that really? too. <laughs> what did the feasibility study say? <laughs> I believe they've done two or three of them. Baltimore. I mean, yeah. that should tell you, you know, you I've know. never read one of them. But yeah, yeah. I, I can imagine what they're going to say. So. Um, and so then um, this is what kills me is that he goes on to say the city should be dedicating more resources to teaching students the digital skills needed to succeed in today's economy, because nothing sets students up for success more than teaching them how awesome the internet is that they are not able to access in their homes or on devices that they don't have. Um, and uh, basically like, it's just better to count on, um, on Comcast connecting people and this and that. And this guy uh, among others has, I think convinced the mayor that this is a scary thing to do. Um, and um, the idea of like, of wiring public housing and rec centers is purely cosmetic and designed to tick some political boxes rather than do anything that would meaningfully improve educational performance or economic outcomes. I mean, this is just literally 180 degrees the wrong direction. Uh, and yet, you know, he's a person that knows how to have his voice heard, whereas we're on a show and we have one person in the audience from what we can tell. <laughs> I would imagine that if, if they got 100,000 kids in Baltimore connected with that money, that's a pretty big success. That's my definition of success. I, yeah, that would be huge. First, yeah. First of all, I think we need to teach kids that they really, the internet is awesome. Uh, let's spend our money um, teaching kids how great the internet is. If they know anything, kids know how to use the internet and they why they need it. Yeah. yeah. Like, let's not spend our money doing like crap that doesn't matter. Let's focus on the, the stuff that does matter. But that is politics at its finest because somebody comes in and like Travis to Travis's point, gives them a feasibility study that sits on a nice, pretty shelf somewhere and gets has dust on it mm -hmm. in about three months. Well, God, I, no, I don't so I've never heard of this guy and I don't want to get sued for libel. But, you know, folks who come and give this kind of advice many times are on the secret payroll, the big ISPs. <laughs> And, and I don't yeah. know. If, I don't know him from Adam, but that's that's because that's exactly what Comcast would come and tell the mayor too. So. Travis, Doug, uh, Kim, are you ready for a rant? Yes. <laughs> are before you going to Before we do that, hold on, hold on, hold on, Travis. <laughs> save it for one second because it's not. I'm not, not going to come back to this. I did an interview a month ago with a guy from Baltimore, retired guy who's working with kids. He's deeply concerned about gang violence and things like that. What he had pushed for, and I think this is a really brilliant idea, was having the rec centers well-connected with internet access, well-stocked with computers, so kids can engage in e-gaming e with other kids mm. 
around the city. So they're, they're not just doing it from their home. They're out meeting people and they're getting to know other people throughout the city so that when it comes down to the sorts of um, beefing that happens out in the streets, they actually kind of know other people from other parts of the city and things like that. And they're less likely to have, um, have these things escalate and, and kind of engage in what I think we often call tribal groups and things like that. Uh, that idea apparently lost out to politics also because he was the wrong person to have the idea and higher ups wanted to do their own thing and not take the idea from some nobody. Um, so once again, we see, I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can do this right, but unfortunately politics just gets in the way of all these, I think these little people with these grandiose ideas of how they are going to become the governor of Maryland, um, by stomping on other people's ideas. Go ahead, Doug. Well, I don't think any idea bubbles up to the top at Baltimore. That's the problem. You know, how, how does any idea win and get done? They're going to spend that 30 million now at some point, or they won't, it. it'll go back to do something else. So. It's hard. Okay, I want to. I want to see the rant. Let's do it. Let's hear a rant. Come Probably, on, Travis. We, the momentum was there, and then now, like, like the wind was blowing, and then it, then Chris stalled it. But I'll, I'll try. I'll really. <laughs> so I may not be able to get the fuse lit, but I'm going to give it the old college try here. So, Alex Ross, Mr. Mitchell. Alec. Alec. Okay. Tell me how he's Alec not. Alec P. Keaton. Okay, how, how is he not wrong? How is he not wrong? Yeah, I mean, what he's saying is... What he's saying is that we should spend our time teaching people how to use an internet they don't have access to. He's saying we should let Comcast solve this. And I I guarantee you all these people have have, have the capability of having access to the internet. No, I mean, like, in the same way that, like, I have the capability of being disciplined and losing weight. I mean, like, you know, like... (laughs) There's a reality. Uh, there's a reality here that goes along with it. That um, you know, these are people who, and I, I come back to this often. A friend of mine, a contractor, uh, he, um, he when he he's with his girlfriend, and as I understand it, when they were going to buy a house, they had to be very careful not to like get married too early because his credit had been ruined by a large company that screwed him with this terrible customer service, and it spiraled, and he will be spending decades trying to get out from under that. These people have stories like that. Constantly, they don't want to hear from Comcast. You know, like, sure, they could sign up for this service that appears to be low cost, but they've already been bitten by that and had to pay late fees and all kinds of other things. They don't trust Comcast. So, so no, they don't have a real solution that's available to them. So, so your, your thought is if Baltimore installed a fiber optic cable into these units that that would be a game a life-changing experience no well that's not a sufficient um i mean that's not the only thing that would need to go right but that is a first step uh they need to have high quality access that they are able to use and that they trust yes i think that is an important piece of. so so what if there was an intermediary between comcast and these people that they trusted yeah that would work instead of building an entire whole network but this is the thing like i think you're so if you go down that path, there is an assumption that there is a there there, that at some point sticking with Comcast is going to meet the needs of these neighborhoods. And I think that is going to it'll work out OK in flush times. But the second that Comcast is looking for some place to shut um, to cut costs in order to make sure that they're doing well in the next quarterly statement or something like that. Uh, that network's going to go away and you have nothing and everything that you've tried to build is gone. That's the problem with relying on charity to try to resolve um, decades or even centuries long economic problems. And I, and I refer to these situations as arbitrage because they're artificial. 
those those low cost rates that Comcast gives is not their normal products, and they can remove them at any time. You're absolutely right, Chris. So, yep. I do like that Juan just took did a simple Google search and found out that he wanted to be the governor of Maryland. Yeah, I mean, that's and the rest su- of us. Yeah. That's not <laughs> surprising. I mean, I'm, I guess he did run to be the mayor at one point, um, and you know, maybe he'd be a good mayor. I don't know the guy. I'm just because someone is stepped out of their lane to talk beyond their their level of knowledge i mean who among us hasn't done that <laughs> but like it's really frustrating when it comes at the wrong time um but travis your point i think your point is is like let's just do something is that your point well that is my point because here's the reality let's say baltimore was amazing at building a, a network and getting the infrastructure in and getting it out to the people i mean kim how long have you guys been building utopia for Almost 20, almost 20 years. Yeah, we've been building for 14 years. Well, tell me, Travis, how far does $30 million go? Not very far at all. Not very far at all. So so, so you're not going to get to a significant enough. So you you almost have to go, we've got to do something today. And I feel sometimes when we get into these building, these network conversations, people forget how long these things take to build. So I've I've heard this argument before, Travis, and it okay. is literally why we spent billions of dollars on AT&T and CenturyLink yeah. and Frontier and rural areas. I mean, that was the argument that I argued would be a failure. And it's clear that that's, that's a, it's an argument that fails on multiple fronts. One is you're sort of focused on like the idea that there is a network there that could meet needs and will be run in an honest and responsible manner. That is not the case. You are shoveling money at companies that are fundamentally uh, extractive based. These are not companies like you where they're focused on having pride in a product and service. These are companies that are designed and through literally since the Dutch East Indies, we've had evolution of corporate structures to figure out how with large scale corporations, you can best separate money from people, take it away from them and and give them the least in, in return. That is a different way of doing business than what you do, Travis. And I think you kind of miss out on that a little bit. Well, and maybe that's true, but I guess my, my point is this could be a hot topic for the current administration in Baltimore. They could start the project, but you know as well as I do, the next administration that comes in, they have a new project. This one gets kicked to the back burner, and now, well, and now all the momentum is gone while all the people that need help today – are not getting it. No, that that is that is a case that happens, and we've seen it happen. But we've also seen, we just talked about Longmont. We've talked about Chattanooga. Chattanooga built that network. They've gone through multiple mayoral administrations. Now, they did it in a way that insulates it from uh, politics through a utility board, which is a really smart way to do these sorts of things. But they also had mayors that saw the wisdom of it. When the pandemic hit, they were like, let's roll this badass out to 17,000 families that don't have internet access and give it to them for free. Like They were able to do that as a community because they had made those investments. I know, and if you don't get started make, down that path, you're never going to be able to do that. But we always make this jump from Longmont and all these small towns to Baltimore, New York, mm-hmm. Chicago. It's, it's, it's a big, it's a different deal. You know, we could build you, a network in a small town. Building a network yeah. in an NFL city is a whole different, different project. But you have to start somewhere and they get they they the scope of these projects are too big to ever be operationalized in those cities. You have to start small and then build on that and remove the politics. I like what Ruben said oh, is Ruben's we do need somebody. Yeah. yeah. Like th- that's that that is why Utopia in a lot of ways is successful because our board consists of city managers and city staff, and you remove some of the politics of people who want to use it as campaign um 
like issues. And that will not build a network if you use it as as a political stone or a political beast. Yeah, and I want to I want to give Doug a chance because he hasn't spoken, but I just want to plus one that Kim and say I I think Baltimore was starting off small, like thirty million dollars. I think we've agreed is small. They had a good plan to build a ring to then connect some public housing units and then to build on that success in the future. I think that was the smart way to get going to try to avoid some of the politics. And yet Comcast is savvy. If that was a charter city, maybe they wouldn't have been derailed, but they were. It looks like, and it's not totally derailed. Go ahead, Doug. They would have been derailed, but that for $30 million in Baltimore, that was probably the best plan because that, that gets permanent fiber to public housing. And that's something you can rely on for the next 50 years. I don't know that they could do better than that with that much money. So that I, I thought it was a reasonable idea. So that's those folks now don't have to worry about Comcast anymore. So, I mean, officially, I think the city is still pursuing that. I mean, I don't know that, that anything has changed. They have no. changed personnel. Um, and uh, that plan is theoretically still. You mean worse than you're arguing about just what some guy said? My point, I think this is, this is, first of all, we're on the internet. That's our job. Second wow. <laughs> I just thought it was a good thing to write the Chris might rant on, but, um, you know, no, I mean, close. but this is emblematic. I mean, this has been, I think a terrific discussion to surface what happens in NFL cities when you try to do something special. There are a ton of people that come out. I mean, what we also saw in Seattle, we had a mayor that literally ran on this and won an election saying, I'm going to do this. And, and the people play. around him, the mayor was like, how am I going to put in charge of it? And there was a person who was like, I've been working on this for 10 years. And someone else was like, yeah, but I gave you money and I'm your friend and I want to do it, even though I've been thinking about this for 35 seconds. That person got <laughs> it, had no idea what they were doing, and it never went anywhere. Right. I mean, like this is and I feel like, you know, for those of us who are advocating for this, we can sort of complain about it. But we also have to figure out how to structure these things in ways that can get around that reality. Right, but Travis, you bring all up we have to point. do is solve big city politics as piece of cake. That's, but I think Chris <laughs> brings up a good point that I see all the time is that people think that if they've been in tech or some like Silicon Valley um, position that they can run a broadband network. And it's not the, it's same, not the thing. same thing. Well, and I think the one other thing is just that we've talked about a little bit before is that I think some people miss, and I think this is where Travis is usually often pretty sharp at recognizing it. Um, some of these people are just trying to like get something going to be able to then sell it to uh, other investors that are, that are foolish, who haven't done their homework, who perhaps buy Starry at 29 cents a share, hoping that it's going to go somewhere other than bankruptcy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like someone speaking from personal experience. I, I mean... <laughs> Um, but my point is that, um, is that some of these things, like some of the people who are in this business are like, they don't have the same goals the rest of us do, but they talk like the rest of us do, even as they're just trying to like get something out quickly so they can flip it and move on to something else. You just described the entire Bitcoin industry. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that Bitcoin is like, is that a, like a real low in liquidity? Basically like everyone now is holding it. And so my Everyone who's like think everyone who's everyone who's even right about holding it as like a um, until the price goes up will find that they don't have anyone to sell it to probably. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, okay, so I want to I want to talk about XGS Pond quick. Um, I just I enjoyed your post about this, Doug. Um, I don't have a link to it handy, so people have to um, check out Pots and Pans by CCG. Uh, but I thought it was interesting, and uh, and I figured Travis could sink his teeth into it. But B Pond to G Pond sucked for people. It sounds like G Pond to XGS Pond is going pretty nicely. Yeah, B Pond. They promised B Pond that there would be a very nice upgrade path, and turned out it was a rip and replace. I mean, you could not upgrade that at all. And so people ended up with a with an anchor they're stuck with. And so people, it was just terrible. Now you can- well, Hold on, hold on. Just... So that's that's a problem because like, yeah. you say rip and replace. Travis can rip and replace. He's got one fiber per person. But if you're doing rip and replace on Beepon, does that mean you have to like sync across 32 homes to pull out that OLT? Yes. They had to rip and replace OLTs, and a lot of them had didn't structure their OLTs the right way. They had a really big. They had to rewire. It was terrible to go from B pond to G pond. So it wasn't just the electronics. Uh, so it was all out in the network. XGS pond. You just pull out one card, stick in another, in the same chassis you already own, and you can start giving some folks 10 gigabits. They finally did it right. And the reason was all the people who buy it go, if you do that to us again, we're never buying your gear for the rest of eternity. And I think they finally listened. Um, and, and now they're already working on 40 gig ponds. So, you know, XGS Pond was four times improvement in bandwidth. 40 gigs is another four times improvement. That's that's what we keep seeing in fiber. About every 10 years, it goes up four times. You know, it's so we're never going to see the end of that. It's awesome. But but yeah, they finally got it right because I think the industry, particularly the big companies, said if you don't get this right, we'll we'll go find someone else to build it. So um, so. I have to give the I have to give the vendors credit that they finally. Of course, this costs them a lot of money. Rip and replace is so good for vendors; it's not good for the world. So, yep. Travis, any thoughts on that? Well, I actually think um, of the ponds. You know, XGS is the first <laughs> promising ones. You know, I really think uh, G Pond. I thought you know missed it. The other thing that XGS, my understanding is, is, is a lot better uh, intervendor interoperability. So you're not stuck necessarily in a single vendor's ecosystem which really right. kept us away from it you know the up the uplink and the downlink issues when you split 24 32 to one but the big thing was you were trapped in somebody's ecosystem and initially did not want to do that so no um, now you can buy you can buy oh well, the, the guy thing at your house yeah. these yeah. from anybody and stick them on the end so it's a way different world today. but it's still it still has the same <laughs> fundamental issue which is keeping us out of it which is if you do need to troubleshoot a customer and you need to take that uplink down you're going to drop potentially 24 homes mm -hmm. that, and that is just worries me to death because you live and die by your reputation i'm not saying it's going to be terribly common the other thing is to troubleshoot like an active ethernet network like kim and i run i mean you mm -hmm. simply almost do it with a flashlight it's that easy does yeah. that result in lower labor costs for you then effectively yeah, or is it is it not and not just there's, not, there's really nothing. I don't know. I, I'm I'm speaking for our network. I assume Kim's is the same. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's it's there's not once it's in and running. As long as you do a good job protecting the network from locating, there's not a lot to go wrong. It's easy to troubleshoot. It's easy to maintain. It's easy to upgrade. It's you just need 700 people to work it. Well, no, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> more, more capital intensive at the front end, and that's a but, much yeah. much different conversation when interest is three four percent than when it's eight nine percent so with 700 people travis could serve the whole state of minnesota yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> so i i, I would yeah. say if you're starting no, out a brand new network 
you know, here's here's one piece of advice I would give. I've never heard a single fiber operator say this. Geez, I deployed too much fiber out there. Mm-hmm. I've never heard those words. So over overbuild the amount of fiber strands you have. Do not build to an XGS spawn spec exclusively. Yeah, oh, so, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, but you you have all the feasibility studies out there telling people who don't know any better to do just that, Travis. I mean, that's the problem, right? Is that you have all these vendors who are dictating the conversation instead of really professionals who live and breathe this every day who are helping them. I see it every day of these vendors who are out there selling, a, this is what you should do. And then you ask them, have you ever built a network? Oh, no. Have you ever maintained a network? No. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, and several, and several of the big electronic vendors will give you a free feasibility study. And, and then you know how much it's worth? Free feasibility studies are worth it free. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like don't... the advice we give on this show, right? It's free. Yes. You know, yeah. Yes. So add an extra you, conduit. You haven't yeah. been cashing your checks, Travis? No, no, no. <laughs> I would always tell people add, if, you, if, you, if you're going to install two conduits, install a third. And if you're going to install 24 fibers, install 144. There you go. That's free advice. We're adding several zeros to the value of this show. It's going to be multiples. Of zeros. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Ruben, um, 640K, that's my favorite. I use that one all the time. Bill Gates saying, who would need more than 640K? Yeah. Well, no, you never. Well, I mean, this was, this was a but discussion. It, but we've got to remember now, in, you know, in 2004, that was pretty damned impressive. So. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I mean, yes. two weeks ago, you know, two weeks ago, there was a lot of points that, that Matt Larson brought up that uh, would have liked to have spent an entire show debating. Um, one of them is that he's arguing that electricity, uh, you know, use ultimately plateaued and even shrinks from time to time through energy efficiency. I mean, I'm sort of fleshing out his argument for him. Some, I believe in good faith. Um, and I think he's right. I just don't think we know when that is. It, it could be in 2025. It could be in 2035. Um, and, it could, and it could be in 2325. So right. Don't know, right. So, yeah, so yeah, I, think- I, I enjoyed that conversation, but we didn't even get into the fundamental flaw in his argument is he's using public spectrum. And whenever you're using public spectrum in a wireless network, there isn't a lot of argument. Well, I think he's using a combination to be to be clear. I think he has a fair amount of licensed spectrum as well. well but licensed yeah. spectrum is a whole different animal. But if you're trying to if you're trying to provide reliable service off of a tower at five gigahertz, there's not enough spectrum there anymore. So I'd like to thank the prior FCC for approving the six gigahertz spectrum because that is a game changer for WISPs. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're giving kudos to the FCC. I've never heard that happen. He's trying to get me to be upset, but I was just going to say that it's nice to remember an FCC that could do things that surprised us in a nice way. The FCC is the only good thing FCC's done. They've done some pretty good things with wireless spectrum. I have to give them credit. Yeah, yeah. Ajit Pai's FCC, amazing. I don't know who this current one is, but uh, they've gotten me a lot of chicken wings, so I want to thank them. But the Ajit they gave us six gigahertz spectrum. So as far as I'm concerned, the FCC is doing a pretty damn good job. So, yeah. You mean uh, you think it was doing a pretty good job? I mean, t- to be clear, the current FCC is struggling in large part because of the massive things that the former FCC and the one before that all refused to do. So you can harp on a couple of things they got right, but understand that a fair amount of our problems today result from the things they refused to do. Uh, you know what? I think it goes back to the Woodrow Wilson administration, Mr. Mitchell. Yeah, that guy was a dick. 
No, I, I don't know. I, I mean, he was. Doesn't he the one that had a stroke? It wasn't a joke. He was a bad, bad person, person and a bad president. <laughs> no, no, Chris has brought that argument up with me before. Well, back in the Wilson administration, and I'm like, I don't even know when that was, Chris. I'm just trying to hook people up to the internet. So, World War One. Check it out. Go okay. ahead, Doug. Isn't he the one who's had a stroke and his wife ran the country for two years? Yeah, yeah. She, wasn't, probably... she wasn't a dick. <laughs> <laughs> We're going off the rails, folks. We're going we off are. the rails. <laughs> I'm All trying right. to get him wound up. Chris, did you not sleep last night? I did not sleep very much Three last night. good shots. I set it up for you to knock it out, and you just... Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I mean, you know, I, I was going to say this at the beginning, but um, I also feel like... Um, we have some responsibility to try to offer good content for people because right now uh, the number of people who are destroying their brains watching one or more cable news channels is skyrocketing and it's a national travesty. And I think we have to have serious, honest discussion to try to repair some of that damage that is being done. So um, people stay away from cable news. It's no good for you. You're not going to get anything out of it. <laughs> not compared to connect this. I no. can't say, I can't say that right. Connect this. There it is. Yeah. And I really do think that Ruben's really funny that he thinks we read. Um, yeah. Have oh, we yeah. read? Yeah. Uh, which is great. Not only have I read it, I have, most of my staff have because it's one of the first ones that I recommend, along with Tubes by Andrew Bloom for those who are trekking at home. Um, I read every day, Kim, and I get annoyed because my Kindle, sometimes, especially if I read on a plane um, before Delta offered free Wi Fi, it wouldn't track it. And it tells you like how many days of a streak you're going. And, um, uh, I actually lost um, a 260 day streak um, uh, from um, uh, honestly not reading for a couple of days during the first tribal broadband boot camp because uh, I was very distracted and busy. And I tried to get it going again. And every two or three months, it just misses a day and I lose the streak and it's killing me. Man, oh man, this is a, I, I just mean, don't know how we can deal with problems. Like you read it. You know, I, <laughs> I figured this out having dinner with Chris the other day. He's very passionate about reading and um, what reading means to him. So, uh, yeah, oh, I love trading idea. book recommendations and all that. You read, you read a Kindle? Yeah. Yes. I only read Kindles anymore. Too, you so watch so The I Wheel have. of Fortune and <laughs> at night too? <laughs> he watches the weather channel he's on the I, weather I, I channel just spent right three now. months with elderly folks i i know what you guys are like now so yes okay not only that i read kindles and i get books from the library on it travis so they just Where? become older in your in your estimation you know the Dewey decimal system still that oh that's, that's the library travis. will loan you kindle books travis okay all right Syracuse is doing free wireless to <laughs> 10 census tracts by our count. That is, um, I actually got a count, but I can't pull it up right now. It is, I think, on the order of 22,000 households. Uh, low income households will have free access to it in Syracuse. Um, and uh, they're starting to build it. They just started, I think they just let the contract. Uh, and so it uh, seems like a pretty reasonable thing to do. I don't know if anyone has any thoughts. Well, again, I. I think this is one of the multiple solutions that you do to get everybody on, you know, different things for different pieces of, if everybody gets a chance of some bandwidth, then they can't say they have nothing. It's not a permanent solution, but why would you not do this? It's a great use of ARPA money. I mean, why would you not do this? This is back to the Baltimore discussion. I think Travis is right. Do something, get, get folks hooked up. So, yep. I, I see don't nothing. I see me. nothing wrong with it. Yep. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't wait. I think that's a huge thing. And I, I spoke on this on stage the other day. Just don't wait. 
Don't wait until something's going to happen. Do something today. Do anything today. Don't go, well, tomorrow some program's going to come or the program, as Travis likes to call it, the program of the week, the government <laughs> um, program of the week. But yeah, do something today and uh, whatever it is. There's my lecture yeah. and my TED talk. Yeah, understand that parts of it will go wrong and mm -hmm. uh, may not work out and you will adjust along the way. You know, like mm -hmm. there's 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 no like figuring out how to do this perfectly. There's just whether you're you're doing something or you're not doing something because you're going to have struggle struggles along the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean do not story. try to run a wireless network yeah. in a city where you have 256 perfect day and then lose your streak. I mean, you just can't worry about those kind of things. <laughs> I, I would like to I would like to say this fiber by Susan Crawford. She uses gigabyte through the whole thing, oh, and yeah. that drives me nuts. Yeah. That book, yeah, I, for that so I, I love Susan Crawford. I think that book has a wealth of information, but uh, I was disappointed that it was put out by an academic press, considering it obviously did not go through significant fact checking. They spelled people's names wrong. Um, it, uh, it, it, it's one of those things that is disappointing because I think um, she gets almost everything correct in general, but then there's just a number of things where it could have benefited from a robust. Mm -hmm. Um, proof. Uh, and I, you can obviously tell that I did not proof it because when people put that stuff by me, I am pedantic in um, capitalizing internet, among other things, and fixing those sorts of things. He internet also doesn't hates, need to be he, capitalized. He hates when I don't put the dash in Wi-Fi. He just gets up. Oh, it does. Yeah. <laughs> Wi-Fi is, wi is a trademark term. You don't, you don't need to drop the dash. <laughs> hey, it's a new world. Drop the dash. Pedantic. That's good. Yeah, I, I, I was on Reddit arguing with a CenturyLink rep the other night, and, um, <laughs> and I miss I misspelled a word. Oh my god, people went crazy. I'm like, I, I thought people loved you on Reddit. I thought people well, loved not, you. Not since he misspelled. No. I just drove 14 hours. Excuse me, I made a typo. My God, and they're like, that's a third grade mistake. I'm like, well, I didn't graduate third grade, so there you go. <laughs> so, so Chris, Chris watches the Wheel of Fortune, and you fight with people on Reddit after 14 night? hours of driving. That's you have to have like a warning system to be <laughs> well, like, all right, I'm not at my best. I'm gonna wait till the morning. Me, right? That if you don't, if you don't understand the difference between like Active E and GPON, don't argue about it. Right? It's yeah. It's just, you know, Chris gets fired up on his, uh, you know, Woodrow Wilson issues. I'm all about, you know, this fiber technology is a winner. So, well, that's one of the things that drives me nuts when people will be out there and be like, nothing beats the speed of light. And I'm like, well, if it was through a vacuum rather than glass, that would be something like and it's just like the people throw these things out. It drives me nuts. Um, uh, there was someone who was um, who actually went to the effort of saying that the latency on wireless is worse than uh, on fiber optics is fiber optics at the speed of light. And I was like, what speed do radio waves move at? <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> it was, just come on people. Like, you know, you know, and I, one of the things I try to surround myself with is people that will bring me down a peg. Um, my wife is terrific at this. My family really wonderful <laughs> at this. <laughs> Well, you have a you have a panel you have a set of panel here who just ignore you completely. So you're doing well. <laughs> um, so the last thing I want to talk about is uh, this one that I just love. Um, this one comes from a, um, a Minnesota Republican, Jeremy Munson, who um, has been going out of his way to just tell everyone that um, uh, that this is wasteful to put money into wired fiber. It is a 40-year-old technology, people. Fiber optics is 40 years old and, uh, and is ancient. It's for your grandparents who watch Wheel of Fortune. Um, and... Um, just oh, and people are going to use it for wireless anyway um, on the farm. So I'll uh, be better off if they just all went to Starlink um, or something. 
uh, kind of I mean, it's cringeworthy, but what I'll, I'll get to what kills me about it. I just want to let other people react to it first. Well, he somebody from one of the big ISPs obviously fed him something and then he garbled it. But yeah, he didn't make he didn't know the fiber was a 40 year old technology until somebody put that in his ear. So you don't hear that talked about very often. You know, 40 years ago, it was in a lab, and there were three miles of it. <laughs> well, no, what kills me is that, like, they think wireless came along, like, last year. I, yeah, I think, you know, I think we've been using wireless since kind of a century and a half. I mean, Nikola Tesla was kind of a pioneer of it. Like, the guy's yeah. name's out there. You might have heard of him. <laughs> so, it's just not even worth talking about. That it's we're not worth talking about because, you know, politicians who – he's trying to make a name by going against the grain. Yeah, but here's we're, the we're, thing, right? This trouble, is why, The trouble is in Minnesota, here's – I will make your speech for you. You're you're in a state that had a nine billion dollar surplus last year, and created one of the smallest state broadband grant programs. Seventeen billion this year. Yeah, and okay. and and states who have way less money created very nice state broadband programs. They obviously don't value it. So. Yeah, no. So the thing that kills me. This is why we have this, though, right? I remember we went into this when the majority leader of um, one of the branches um, back when I was still involved with the Minnesota Broadband Coalition had said a similar thing. It was like my wife, my my grandma or my mom, he said, is on satellite and it works for her. And a bunch of people in the group that is responsible for lobbying for rural broadband said, well, we have to educate him. And I said, the hell you have to educate him. You have to put that on billboards. He just gave you a gift. You're not going to educate him. You want to educate everyone else with what happens when you say something like that make it make it clear to people like there's power politics but the people on our side who are trying to connect this stuff they don't know how to do politics someone says this you elevate it you should be buying ads with these statements so people all across rural america who don't have decent internet access are saying oh this is why i don't have it because this guy thinks i should pay more than a hundred dollars a month to be on a waiting list for starlink well, I think the people in his voting district might be happy to hear that. Yes, he doesn't think they need broadband. So. Yeah. Charles, did you I, I take a look go at it? Good, Kim. Can we just talk about what Ruben just said? There was a guy running for governor um, that said that claim hospitals should connect everyone to their fiber. Okay, I need to meet this guy who's running for governor and see what the logic behind this statement is. Maine has this interesting people, not only that run for governor, Maine, but who Maine are has governor. interesting people. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Like it's just it's just dumbassery at its finest that these people are running our government and they think that they can find the solution or the private sector will deliver and the private sector won't deliver. Um, no offense. Well, to there's Travis, nobody I trust more. <laughs> there's nobody I trust more than the medical industry because they don't rip anybody off. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, this this claim was that since the core fiber technology was invented 40 years ago, it is no longer useful, and that that wireless is going to take over and replace it. First of all, this yes, is a classic sort of. I'm just saying a bunch of things. There's not a coherent argument. You're trying to pull a coherent argument out, and that I think would be generous to him. But that I think is what he is saying. Okay. And I would so the interstates were uh, installed during the Eisenhower era, right, Mr. Mitchell, our <laughs> professor here. Uh, and, they were started then, yeah. Although the the road almost, history does go back before then, and there's a great book called The Big Roads by I want to say like guy's name was Earl something. Um, heck of a book that describes how we got to the point where Eisenhower could get the interstate started. So that's a forty plus year old technology, or much longer than that, right? And yeah. Uh, 
So that's like saying hovercrafts are going to replace the interstates. Huh? Well, concrete oh. goes back to before the Romans, right? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about thousands yeah. of years. But yes, he's ma he's making the hovercraft argument. Yes. Okay, exactly. so he's making the hovercraft argument. So yes. I will I will quote my good friend Steve that told me all about his 5G network yesterday. I didn't prompt him or anything, and he goes, he's a truck driver, and this was his ex virtually his exact statement. This 5G is crap. I thought it was supposed to be better. What the heck is going on? My phone has gotten worse with 5G than it was with 4G. So anyone that thinks that wireless is going to solve our problem, and I, I know we've talked about this for freaking 20 years. Okay, we're done with that conversation, right? Nothing's going to replace a fiber optic cable anymore. You know, I, I don't. Can, can we just put an end to that? No, Travis, rural broadband looks good on a campaign mailer, but we have real solutions being delivered by the private market if the government would just get out of the way and stop with the subsidies. Starlink is beta testing with two gigabytes. I don't know what that means. <laughs> what is two gigabytes? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how that's related to Starlink, but it's beta testing with two gigabytes, commercially viable download speeds to anyone who can look up and see the sky. Okay, next episode 69, Kim. Can we do the? Can we do a little education session of the difference between mm -hmm. bits and bytes for all these yes. people in this industry? I've, so I, yes. let's talk about yes. this for a second. Does it matter? I mean, does it matter? It doesn't matter. But let's talk about what Starlink's doing. He's, they're doing exactly the opposite of what this guy hopes for. Yeah. They are now working on giving very big bandwidth to rural cell towers. And once they do that, they won't serve people because they're making more money off of one cell tower than they were off of forty people. So I think you missed. You so that's exactly, where that's exactly where they're headed. They want to stop serving all these annoying people. And they want to serve big bandwidth users. <laughs> Doug, you predicted this, I want to say, yes. like 18 months ago. I did. That's exactly what they want to do. Wouldn't you rather have, you know, 10 giant carriers as your customer than a million people? Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, where they're And monitor the Starlink forum one time. Man, right. these people, they need help. I mean, really, you know. Just computer, just computer knowledge in general, when they're trying to get their satellite working. So nobody, I just wanna... yeah, nobody wants to really service residential customers. No. I mean, they <laughs> no. are the most. They are they are residential high customers are high maintenance. Yeah. They're a pain yeah. in the yeah. ass. They really are. Yeah. That's you know, it, it's funny because way earlier you talked about Comcast. The difference between Travis and Comcast is customer service. That's what Comcast is mm -hmm. never going to do well. That's what someone like Travis does. Well, they, and they don't understand that. They think it's all technology speed, blah, blah, blah. It's all customer service. Oh, I think they might understand it. Do you think they don't? I think they know what they're... No, no. But they, they'll never talk about that in public. Yeah, yeah. Yes, because that's that's why they don't do that well. That's why they don't compete well against Travis. Well, it's there because was, it doesn't scale. No. Even a CenturyLink tech had a quote on this last Reddit thread I was on. goes... We don't even like calling our customer service. And they work for the company. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, locked out of my uh, Lumen, email, uh, Lumen um, um, voicemail because I get a um, uh, ever since CenturyLink. Uh, I've been, we've been we had a contract with them, which will be up soon, Travis. And um, uh, and so my voicemail comes to me in an email with an attachment in an MP3 file, and I listen to it, and it has a link that says delete from your um, your inbox. So I do that. And when they did a transition six months ago or so, um, they still keep sending the email, but that link apparently doesn't work because my inbox filled up. And because I've never logged into my inbox for so long, they locked it down for security reasons. And they're like, talk to your administrator to get back in. I'm like, I don't know who my administrator is. Like I'm the administrator. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> and so I have no way. And so I'm, people are telling me my, my voicemail is full and I have no way of getting into it right now while we try to figure out with Lumen uh, how to possibly get back into it. And I'm just waiting and I'm kind of like, oh, I'm just I'm not doing voicemail until we have a new provider. To folks at home, this is an interesting chance to give Chris some very interesting voicemails for when he finally unlocks. <laughs> you can't leave voicemails. It just tells you it's full. So, yeah. <laughs> because they, I have no way of deleting them because I thought I was deleting them for the past month or so. I mean, I don't get that many voicemails. <laughs> no, nah, who gets, I don't get many anymore. Who gets voicemails? Right? Yeah. So, hey, Chris, um, can we, can we keep the Syracuse thing on, on the radar here? Because <laughs> 10 burrows for three and a half million dollars. Oof. Yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go learn more yeah. about that one. Ten census like tracks. They're they're all adjacent to each other. I mean, the census tracks are not very not large. Very, well, they're pretty big. I don't know. Looking at the map, I don't know. I'm. Anyways, I just think it'd be worth making note of this because one nine hundred Chris Mitchell the, is my favorite. The Chris Mitchell is one nine hundred. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> T H E something. I, I I commend them if they pull it off that for that. Yeah, I think it's one hundred. The C Mitchell, yes. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what solution they're using, <laughs> Travis, but I'm I'm curious, and uh, yeah, I think we would like to keep an eye on it. I mean, Syracuse had looked at previously trying to build a fiber network. They were scoping it out using EB five dollars, and you can be forgiven for not knowing what that program is. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. It was a program administered by the Federal Reserve banks, whereby wealthy foreign nationals could basically get a U.S. Um, uh, citizenship. Uh, and get to the front of the line if they gave money toward economic development projects in the United States. And so um, they had done the work to basically figure out that that could be an avenue. If they had like some Saudis that wanted U.S. paperwork, they would basically pay to build a network <laughs> in Syracuse. And um, and then they would get to the front of the line for getting a citizenship or a green card or something. And, um, then, and then, then they, they find out that they forward. had to live in Syracuse. So that was the end of that. <laughs> It's a little colder I, there than Saudi Arabia. Syracuse is one of my first loves as a city. Syracuse oh, Orange it. Men at the time, and, oh, uh, I, and it, I desperately it, wanted to go there. I love it, but it's a lot colder than Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my mom is from Syracuse, and my dad moved up there for one winter, and he said when he had to climb out the second um, floor to get to out of the house, he was like, I'm done. I'm moving back <laughs> to the south. That's also my wife's favorite part of the country, too cold oh, for God. me. Yeah, so. Mm -mm. All right. Uh, it's been fun. Um, uh, probably about two weeks. Uh, we'll be back. I hope. Um, I, I do think we want to do more guests. I mean, I think we, we enjoy having someone in to spice it up mid show. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. so I would like to try and get uh Peggy Schaefer back on. Um, you know, maybe uh, there's a few others that I have. I'd like in mind. to get the guy from Longman on talk about the wireless. Oh yeah. Dennis Pappas. Yeah. I'd love to have yeah. him on to, talk about what they're doing there. Um, I mean, I feel like, and we can actually also bring on um, Deb Simpier, who we've had on in the past. She's super enthusiastic about private LTE networks and is really thinking far ahead on them. And I think that could be really interesting as well to discuss um, where that can go. So um, always open to ideas. Uh, people should feel free to leave me a voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> one nine hundred, one nine hundred. Chris Mitchell, right? <laughs> the Chris Mitchell. Get, leave a voicemail. We'll get right back to you. He promises. Um, thank you all for listening, and um, uh, bear with me for a second while I figure out how I'm going to get us out of this. <laughs> while he's doing that, 
Travis, your your uh, magic wand did not do the trick today. Uh, I tried three different times, and he didn't. I thought, I, I thought there was a rant in there. I'm yeah, uh, maybe I just lost yeah. it. Okay, uh, it was it was okay, but not one not one of your best rants, sir. I'm no, honest. yeah, all right. As uh as they say in um, Bad Santa, they can't all be winners. Billy Bob Thornton, fantastic movie. Um, put down a book, pick up Billy Bob Thornton, especially around Christmas time. <laughs> can't go wrong with Bad Santa. Um, hey, with Walt, that, come to town. I'll give you a tour. Yeah, come to town. I'm happy to. I'll buy wings. God knows I owe I owe a lot of people wings. <laughs> Thank you, FCC. Well done. What I win three triple wings now. It's been another excellent episode of Connect This. <laughs>